Good morning, Big Ten fans. Welcome back to another edition of the Big Ten Morning Minutes. I'm your host, Mike Chen. Give me a follow on Twitter at MikeFChen. Follow the show site over there as well at Big Ten MM. It is Monday, January 4th, 2021. And wow, what a weekend that it was for bowl games because, man, the biggest bowl game of them all, the college football playoff and Ohio State against Clemson. Wow, the Buckeyes came out and showed why they deserve to be in the field of four. Not just deserve to be, they obviously, because we pretty much all watched the game, they obviously deserve to be there. And now they'll get the toughest test of them all in Alabama. Uh, But before we go over all of those games, I want to wish you once again a happy new year uh, and I appreciate you jumping on the podcast and listening to me ramble for 20 minutes every morning. So, this game looked like a battle. And it looked like in that first quarter, it was going to be a shootout. And it was a shootout. But not as much on Clemson's side as it was on the Buckeyes. 14-14 after that first quarter. And then the Buckeyes went on a 28 to nothing run between the second and third quarters. That sealed the deal for them. They were the more physical team. They were the more prepared team. They confused the hell out of Clemson all night long. And this is something that when, when you look over at Dabo Swinney and Brett Venables, and you're like, that's probably the best pair of I mean, you, you could argue Alabama as well, but, uh, you know, th- that's probably the best pair of offensive and defensive coordinator, or I guess not offensive, but, but really Dabo Swinney is their offensive coordinator in the country. And Ryan Day had one hell of a plan to go up against Clemson. Earlier in the week, he accused Clemson of sign stealing. And... Although it's not, you know, it's not like uh, a taboo or anything for teams to do this. It's pretty obvious. You know, it's like NBA basketball. Everybody knows the plays that you're running. A lot of teams run the same type of plays. But what the Buckeyes did was normally their offense, they line up, they get set, they do a false cadence, and then they look over to the sidelines to get the play. They didn't do that this game. They semi-huddled, they ran some hurry up, and they confused the hell out of the Clemson defense. And I think going forward, the Buckeyes have released a formula on how to beat Brett Venables. Now remember, the other teams that are going to try this, they're not going to have the same type of athletes that Ohio State's going to have. They're not going to have an elite quarterback like Justin Fields Multiple wide receivers, Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson. A bruising running back in Trey Sermon. A a dominant offensive line. That's how multiple guys go down. And multiple guys come in and play at a high level. At one point in time, Wyatt Davis went down. Uh, Matt Jones went down. And their backups came in and played to the same level. Teams that are going to try what Ohio State did against Clemson aren't going to have as much success because of the fact that they don't have the type of talent that Ohio State has. 
And they just confused the hell out of them. Because when you watch the game multiple times, Clemson wasn't set. They were looking over to the sidelines to get the defensive call when Ohio State was snapping the ball. They weren't ready. And that was a masterful game plan by Ryan Day. I mean, absolutely masterful. And that you can make the argument about, you know, they were fresher because they played less games. But then you could also make the argument on the other side that they didn't play enough games. Therefore, they weren't able to develop some of that talent and get into that supposed groove that you're looking for as a high-level football team. But either way, the Buckeyes came out and they absolutely dominated 49-28. to 28. Justin Fields, you just... You look at that young man, and you say he's got to be one of the grittiest quarterbacks you've ever seen. The hit that he took from James Skalski, that was an illegal hit, that was an obvious target, and please go back. If you want to argue this one, you really can't. The key here is if Skalski has his eyes up, he does not. It is a clear and obvious target. He put his head down. I saw a back-to-back video this weekend that had a former Ohio State linebacker, Ryan Shazier, his career-ending injury. The exact, not the exact same play, but very, very similar. Head down, spearhead, boom. That's a neck injury. And yes, Justin Fields took the worst of this one. But Clemson's linebacker, James Skalski, could have put himself into serious jeopardy as well. That's why the targeting rule was enforced and put into play at football levels, and I'm talking about every football level. It is a safety thing. And last year, Ohio State got burned with it against Clemson. Sean Wade got ejected from that one, and this year it worked against Clemson and went Ohio State's way. Now, it's not a it's not a going their way type of penalty. It's unfortunate. And, you know, there's a lot of consternation about Fields coming back. He said that he got a shot or two. Uh, he was in obvious pain. The crazy part is the young man missed one play. One single play. And it is unbelievable because he came back and threw four touchdowns after that injury. Literally, the next play after he got in, he got hurt, missed a play, came back, threw a touchdown pass, and the pain on his face was obvious. He was not well after that hit. But what was impressive was, was that he was able to continue to play and play at a high level. And all this weekend, since that game ended, I've been looking for updates on his health. I can't find anything. They're not saying anything. He claims he's fine. Uh, the you know Some of the message boards that I look at, they say he's good. But we don't really know. Uh, we'll find out leading up through game week. You know, media availability, if you know, Fields is available to the media, you guarantee you that someone's going to ask him a question about it. 100%. So we'll see, but wow, what a game for Ohio State. They exercised their Clemson demons going into it 
and now that one big win this is very similar to what they did in their run and i i you know i texted one of my uh you know fellow buckeyes uh, actually my roommate in college and i told him said this run through the big 10 championship through this game and and potentially the college football national championship game eerily feels like they are getting hot at the right moment, like 2014, the inaugural college football playoff. I read a stat as well. The Buckeyes are 6-3 and three in the college football playoffs. 0-3, well, I guess, 1-3 now against Alabama. I'm sorry, Clemson. But everybody else, they're 5-0. and It is going to be one hell of a game a week from today. It's going to be a fun one. It, it really is. I think this is a very even matchup between the two of them. We'll continue to preview it as the week goes along. But, man, what a game. And what what a what a performance by Justin Fields. You really have to put your hand off to him. Uh, over at Northwestern, they send defensive coordinator Mike Hankwitz off. His 400th win as a collegiate assistant off into retirement. I continue to say this, and I'll continue to say it over and over and over again. Northwestern scores 24 points. They will win. 24 points. That's not a big ask in this day and age of college football. 24 points is three touchdowns and a field goal. That's not a lot. They scored 35. And not surprising, they held Auburn down. 19 points. Now, again, this is a lot about Northwestern's defense. One of the very few teams in modern collegiate football that has that okay, that good to okay offense, but the elite, elite defense and can win with it. I think it's because Pat Fitzgerald is one hell of a football coach. And the scary part is right now, there's a lot of NFL teams coming to knock. And I would be a little bit scared about that one. Uh, I think that, you know, again, I said this at the beginning of the year. Peyton Ramsey was the guy. He was the guy that that solidified everything. Uh, I'd be interested to, to see if he jumps off the NFL. Or if he stays another year at Northwestern. And if he stays another year at Northwestern, they're my West favorites. They really are. I think Wisconsin's right behind them uh, because of the uh, inconsistency of Graham Mertz. He's got all the talent in the world, but his freshman year showed a couple bumps in the road. I mean, remember, their bowl game, Against Wake Forest, he really didn't do too much. That was their defense. Four picks of Sam Hartman. That's how Wisconsin won that game. It wasn't because Graham Mertz did what he did against the Illini in in their opener. It was because their defense stepped up and created four turnovers, gave short fields, and they were able to capitalize on it. But back to Northwestern. What a what a performance by them! Uh, down multiple running backs, um, you know Isaiah Bowser, 
jumped into the transfer portal because of Cam Porter. Porter had to work the lion's share of uh, running back opportunities there. And 33 carries, 98 yards, a touchdown. That that was one hell of an effort there. And Northwestern finishes the season 7-2. and two. I believe that's four straight bowl wins for them. Not surprising that there are NFL teams knocking at Pat Fitzgerald's door. I don't think a lot of them really have a shot at him moving on from his alma mater. But... It's definitely something to watch for. Something to watch for as well. There's a there's NFL teams courting Urban Meyer, and I think that at this point in time, Urban has done everything he can at the collegiate level. I think part of his burnout was the recruiting aspect of it. Recruiting is twenty four seven, three sixty five. There is no letting down and recruiting. None. And then when you factor in game planning and practice and, you know, things that you have to do, you know, places you have to be to appease the boosters and et cetera, et cetera, that's a lot to ask for. I'm not saying it's easier in the NFL. I think it worked better for what Urban Meyer's looking for in his coaching life. So there is, there's definitely some rumors going on about that. We'll see if uh, those turn out to be true, but uh, I'll get into a little bit more coaching stuff in, in just a moment after I recap this final game. And this is uh, – and I, I predicted these games. And I was wrong about the Ohio State game. I got that Northwestern game, and I was wrong about this one. I ended up that Indiana just – I don't know what was going on here. To be honest with you, I think that uh, the the fact that they missed Michael Penix ultimately, you know, kind of bit them in the ass. You know, Jack Tuttle's a, a very high level uh, quarterback, but I don't think he's ready. Right? He obviously wasn't ready when he initially went to Utah. Obviously, he's not quite ready to take over a team with Michael Penix there. I mean, he's only a sophomore; he's got a ton of time, uh, and you know, Michael Penix. Uh, I believe should come back. I don't know, though. Stevie Scott with a yeoman's effort, 19 carries, uh, almost 100 yards at 99 with two scores. Uh, and, and this one was weird because their wide receivers really didn't do much. Uh, whoop, Filor caught a ridiculous amount of passes. 18, but only 81 yards out of those. And he lost a fumble as well. And that hurt. I just didn't see this one coming. I thought that Indiana was better than Old Miss. Everyone said, well, Old Miss coming in, you know, four and five. They're not a very good team. Well, they, they proved to be much better than they actually were. Uh, there was some uh, controversy as well. Uh, Indiana removed the Big Ten sticker from their helmet and put a Leo sticker. Love everyone always. Uh, love everybody, something or other. I don't know. But uh, to be honest with you, uh, that uh, that's not a big deal to me. 
everyone thought that it was a, a slight to the Big Ten because, you know, they're going to an Outback Bowl and playing against Ole Miss. But it was a slight to the Big Ten. They should have went out there and beat Ole Miss soundly. They didn't. I think a lot of people are making a, a bigger deal out of this uh, than it actually is. But a, a solid bowl year for the Big Ten, but it's not over, obviously. It's not over. Three and one. That Indiana is the only loss. A potential to go four and one. Three and two if the Buckeyes lose. But, hey, you know what? If you're going to lose, you're going to lose in a national championship game, and you're going to lose to uh, one of the most talented teams of the country in Alabama. Again, every time Ohio State faces Alabama, there when you look at the sidelines and the rosters, wow. Half of those guys are going to play in the NFL and be very good players in the NFL. At least half, in my estimation. Both these teams absolutely loaded. Both these teams annually are at the top of the recruiting rankings. No surprise there, talent wins. Talent pervades. It's going to be a good damn game. All right, I teased a little bit of coaching news going on, and uh, this one has to do about Michigan and Jim Harbaugh. There are a ton of rumors going around (laughs) with Coach Harbaugh. Uh, One of them came out early on Saturday that said that he looked like he was going to be moving on, but then another more firm rumor came out that said there's optimism that a extension will be signed for Harbaugh through 2026. Again, I think this is more of a, a recruiting thing, uh, giving him, you know, that, that gap. I think this coming season, Jim Harbaugh has to prove a whole hell of a lot to the Michigan boosters and athletic director of Ward Emanuel. If he does not, I'm not saying that, they're going to give him the boot after this year, after signing him to an extension. If they do, if this rumor is true. But I think Jim Harbaugh has a whole hell of a lot to prove coming in to 2021. Uh, the Fighting Illini and Brett Bielma, they are completing their staff. They're working on it. And one of the biggest and most undervalued in my estimation in everyone's eyes is your strength coach the NCA due to their strict rules does not allow teams to really practice all year long Brett Bielma at the end of the year he hands his team over to this, his strength coach and he has named Tenarius Tank Wright as his strength coach and this is a match that we've seen before at Arkansas from 2014 to 2017. Tank Wright was with Bielema there. He's previously at Michigan along uh, with uh, last year being the defensive line coach at Army. But the reason why I think that these strength and conditioning coaches are so important is because they pretty much run the team in the offseason. And you have to have a good strength and conditioning coach in order to do that. Like I said, due to NCAA rules, coaches aren't allowed to do anything after a certain point in time. And a strength and conditioning coach is the one that runs the program when the regular coaches aren't available due to the NCAA rules. 
And so you have to have a good one. And Tank Wright is a guy that's familiar with Brett Bielema, familiar with what he wants to accomplish. I think this is a good hire for the Illini. I think Brett Bielema is doing a really good job of putting together a staff. He's not done. He's still got a couple spots that he needs to fill. But so far, I like what he has done. All right, let's get into some recruiting news. Uh, I'm not going to update the recruiting rankings. I'll do that tomorrow uh, just due to the fact that we're already 20 minutes in and, and we got to get some things moving here. Uh, Maryland gets a huge commit this weekend in 2021. Florida linebacker Terrence Lewis, 6'1", 200 pounds. And, and listen to this offer list. Alabama, Clemson, LSU, Michigan, Michigan State, Indiana. A little surprising that he didn't have an Ohio State offer because he's got, you know, some of the biggest names out there. But either way, Lewis is a five-star prospect. Huge get for Mike Loxley. Again, if Mike Loxley can do one thing, it's he can recruit like hell. That's for damn sure. Uh, Scott Frost also got a 21 commitment this weekend as well in Hawaii. Linebacker Wyndon Holui. Uh, Hohalui, 6'3", 220 pounds. He had offers from Arizona, Arizona State, Kansas State. A solid addition to the Nebraska 21 class. Uh, there are still some prospects out there in the 21 class. Uh, February, the first Wednesday of February is coming up. A little over a month. There are still guys out there. There are still guys that can be added. There are still guys that can be quote-unquote flipped. Although, if you were committed to a school and... You didn't sign in that first period. In my estimation, you're not committed to anybody. You are a free agent. Ohio State continues their onslaught in their 22 class. Uh, they get elite Florida cornerback Jaheim Singletary, 6'1", 170 pounds. He had offers from Clemson, Georgia, Florida, LSU, Michigan, Maryland, Penn State. The rich get richer in this situation. Ohio State continues to add on impressive, impressive talent into their secondary. Penn State gets an in-state wide receiver in Makai Flowers, 6'1", 190 pounds. A solid offer list here, Arizona State, Georgia Tech, Kentucky, Nebraska, Rutgers, Virginia Tech. I think Flowers is a little bit more of a sleeper. I like the size at 6'1", 190 pounds. Um, last year, he was 5'10", and 160 pounds. The young man has put in some work, and that's exactly why I believe he's a sleeper. He, you know, you, you can't really... Uh, you can't do anything about your height. You are either blessed with it or you're not. And over the offseason, Flowers grew a couple inches, three to be exact, and that helps. And with those three inches of height growth, he added mass on as well. That's why I think he's a sleeper. I think that he's a young man that due to the fact that People weren't able to scout, you, you know, high school coaches can only get film out. You couldn't actually, uh, as a college coach, go and see anybody due to the uh, blackout period right now, the mandated one by the NCAA. I think a lot of these 22 prospects are going to be guys, especially the ones that commit early, uh, are going to be some sleeper type of guys who aren't going to have the offers that they normally would have. But either way, I think this is a pretty solid addition to Penn State. On to the transfer news. Uh, Wisconsin's losing their running back, Nakai Watson. I thought Watson was going to be the lead guy this year, and I think this is an interesting one. 
Uh, we'll see where they move, but it looks like uh, their freshman, Jalen Berger, who to me, uh, he's got a high ceiling. I think he's the guy that's going to be running the ball a lot next year for the Badgers. And Michigan State wide receiver Trayvon Morgan, uh, he has also entered the portal, uh, played a little bit uh, this past year, but, uh, you know, again, with a coaching change with Mel Tucker and a late coaching change, uh, you're you're not surprised to see uh, a decent amount of Michigan State players uh, you know, enter that portal. All right, let's get into the movement on the non-portal side of things. Players staying, players going. Illinois, uh, they are going to see their defensive back, Nate Hobbs, enter the draft. However, they're getting back two of their specialists in kicker James McCourt and punter Blake Haynes. Uh, Blake Hayes, if, if you are frequent on Twitter, uh, Hayes made a couple of plays this year, um, a couple of fake punts that had Twitter ablaze. Uh, a couple of jukes in there, having some fun out there, making those first downs. Uh, it, this is nice that Brett Bielma gets uh, some leadership on special teams because especially when coaches – you know, when you make those coaching changes and you have shaky special teams, that could really put your team in a bind. But I think that with these two guys coming back, I think that that helps Brett Bielma a whole hell of a lot. Nebraska outside linebacker JoJo Doman, he is going to return for a fifth year. Again, remember, free year this year in the NCAA, so seniors who are seniors can come back. Fifth-year seniors who don't have eligibility or wouldn't in a normal year, are allowed to come back. Penn State defensive back Tariq Castro-Fields, he is going to return for another year. Uh, he played, and he's a very good player, but unfortunately an injury slowed his year down this year, so he's going to come back and play one more season. Wisconsin got good news as well, and a lot of it. Jack Sanborn and Jake Ferguson, both juniors, draft-eligible juniors, will be back as juniors next year, and senior Kendrick Pryor, who played well, but, uh, you know, with with new quarterback Graham Mertz, I think that he could really put a little bit more tape out there for the NFL. He is going to return as well. Over to the basketball side of things, uh, there was a scary injury for Maryland's Daryl Morsey. If you go online and you take a look at the picture, and I didn't really want to look, but I had to see for myself. Uh, Morsey had uh, to uh, have facial fractal surgery because uh, there is literally a hole in his head. It's crazy, and uh, obviously Morsel, I'm sorry, had the surgery, and uh, you know he's going to be out indefinitely. It's it's a scared, you know, if, if medical stuff freaks you out, and some of it does for me, uh, especially, you know, knee injuries, I don't like watching those. But, uh, you know, this, he got an elbow to the head, and it left a, a nice little dent in his, in his uh, temple. And so he underwent surgery. All right, let's recap the weekend in basketball. Uh, Iowa goes into Rutgers and gets a slighted win. 77 to 75. Iowa, once again, is one of the best teams in the country, and they're going to show it. Uh, but remember, the Big Ten, it's it's a tough, tough conference to run through. Illinois 
beat Purdue 66-58. Again, the Illini, after a couple rocky performances early on in the season, they're starting to turn it on here in the Big Ten season. Michigan State gets back in their winning ways, 84-77 win over Nebraska. And then yesterday, there was a, a postponed game uh, with Wisconsin and Penn State. So only two games were played, both top 25 matchups. And in both of the matchups, the higher-ranked team won. Michigan, undefeated still, blew out Northwestern. Blew them out, 85-66 to 66 at home in Ann Arbor. The Wolverines are undefeated still at 9-0. and And over at... At the other game, the other top 25 matchup, Minnesota bounced Ohio State 77-60. to uh, Liam Robbins was absolutely fantastic in this one, Ohio State. Uh, if, they have an issue, if they have one thing that I've noticed in their roster that doesn't quite match up with the rest of the Big Ten's rosters, it's at the center position. They just don't they're, – they're just a small team. They don't have a big man. They don't have a capable big man. And when you look around at some of the best teams in the Big Ten, you know, uh, look at, uh, you know, the Fighting Illini and Kofi Coburn. You obviously have Luca Garza, Michigan, as Hunter Dickinson, who's just been fantastic as a freshman, mind you. But that's the one thing that Ohio State's missing, and that's why Liam Robbins just did whatever the hell he wanted to do. Height disadvantage, rebound advantage. You know, that's that's something that I think that uh, going into this offseason, Chris Holtman needs to address, and it needs to address fast. But nevertheless, Minnesota earns a good win. Uh, I'm telling you, you're going to hear an extension for Richard Pitino very soon. He's a lame duck coach. Minnesota, you don't see a lot of lame duck coaches at the college ranks. And I think that he's uh, he's earned this extension with what he has done this year getting his team in the top 25, really competing at a high level inside the Big Ten. He's definitely earned it. And that'll do it this morning for your Big Ten Morning Minutes. Once again, I appreciate the listen. Go ahead and give me a follow on Twitter at Mike F. Chen. Follow the show site over there as well at Big Ten. I'm Rarest Reviews and share us on all of your listening platforms. Have a great Monday, Big Ten fans. Talk to you tomorrow morning.